All right. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful weather we're having. I don't know about you, but I actually like the cold. I'm comfortable. And we don't need the heat to come too early because then what is June and July and August going to look like? Ugh. So <laughs> not everyone shares my joy. <laughs> uh, there was one more announcement which I forgot to mention. Uh, so the deadline for flowers for Easter, if you were interested in buying those, is going to be Palm Sunday. All right? So you have till then to order flowers. Okay. So we're continuing the series today, Teach Us to Pray. And as we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, what we have said is that this isn't just a message for us to memorize and to spew out, right? That each section of this carries weight, and it has meaning, and each part is important. We shouldn't just say it, that we should actually pray it. So we start off with our Father who art in heaven, right? So we're inviting God into this intimate space to be our Father, we're inviting him into our lives, not just as uh, the great and powerful God, but as father, as protector, as caregiver, as beloved. And that he is the best father that we could ever have because he is holy and set apart and perfect. And then we move to asking God for his kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as in heaven, right? So we're asking God to bring his kingdom to earth for his will to be done in our lives and on earth, and that we would be the conduit for that to happen. And next we asked him for his daily bread, which was more than food for our bodies, right? More than nourishment for our physical being, but sustenance for our spiritual souls. That only he can give, and that we need, because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And last week, Ken talked about forgiveness. And how we're to forgive others. And that's how we receive forgiveness, right? It's dependent on our level of forgiveness. Forgive those as you have been forgiven. Or forgive, you will be forgiven as you forgive others. And today's message is just as heavy. Today we're talking about spiritual warfare. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And for those of you who don't know what spiritual warfare is, it's our everyday struggles with good and evil. It's the everyday struggle with doing right and doing wrong, our battle with Satan and his minions, our battle with this fallen world and other people who are, who are fallen, who are lost. And it also talks about how we should approach our everyday struggles, our everyday battles, and with who. So as we've done this whole series, I'd like us to repeat the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So first service I tripped up after... Forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, because I say debts and you guys say trespasses, so I got hung up. But it's okay. It's, it's what? It's the OG Catholic way. <laughs> and I'm not even OG Catholic, so there you go. <laughs> 
So when I started breaking down this verse, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. My mind first focused on temptation. And temptation in this context is a trial or a testing. Okay? So as I thought about being tested, my mind went to this scene, this everyday occurrence that happens in the Krajasic household. And you, usually every week you hear about the Platts and what's going on with Ken and his family, but this week you get to hear about my family. And even though we have less human beings in our house, we have the same problems. <laughs> So it's a funny thing when you get multiple people living in the same space, right? There's kind of this organized chaos, especially with children, because they're just little people, right? They have ambitions, they have desires, they have needs, they have wants, but they don't know about personal space. <laughs> they don't know that they're impending on you. They don't know that, that you need some space to yourself so you can organize and have some structure because as an adult, we've learned how to deal with society and deal with people, but they haven't. We just have needs and wants. So for those of you who know us, who are close with us, you probably come over and we haven't cleaned up because we're family. So you come into the chaos that is our life. The playroom is a disaster. It's got cars and blocks and toys and various other things just everywhere. And it started to spill out into the living room and the kitchen because they just want to be with you. They want to play in front of you and be near you and, and all those things. So... What usually happens is my wife and I will stand there for a bit, but then we want to have a conversation or we've got to go through something for the day, like what's the schedule, you're leaving today, okay, when you leave and when you come, like what's the ETA, things like that. So we'll escape into the kitchen, right? And we'll leave them to be playing and screaming and having all that fun, watching a movie, whatever they may be doing. And as we start the conversation, something goes off in their little minds and they realize mommy and daddy aren't here. So they come into the kitchen with us while we're trying to talk. So here comes Ellie with her microphone turned all the way up and the echo all the way up. And she's singing, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> so she's singing at the top of her lungs and Gus comes in with his guitar. La, 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 and he's just belting out his gibberish. And it's beautiful, right? We love it. We laugh at it. But we're in the middle of something. And they come up and they're doing that. And they're, mommy, did you hear me sing da da up and all these things? And they just keep going and going. And we're asking them nicely, like, hey, give us a minute. We'll be right there. And they're just still wailing away. And it's not that they're ignoring us. But in my mind, I'm hearing, I can hear you, but I won't. <laughs> so I take it as a challenge, even though they're not challenging me. And it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. An almost 39-year-old man being challenged by a two and a five-year-old. But when people don't listen to you, that's what happens, right? You get offended. You feel a challenge. And, and I'm not always doing this out of anger, but I'm trying to get their attention. So I yell out. I say, hey, what's, come on, stop it. And it's usually louder and it's usually other words, but they're not bad words. But, but I, you know, I yell at my kids and it's literally to get their attention so that I can explain to them that me and mommy need to talk and we'll be in the living room in a minute, right? But what's the outcome of that? I just yelled at my two and five-year-old. Yes. One or both of them are crying. They're upset. They're afraid. Why did daddy yell at me? They didn't know they were doing anything. They didn't know that they were pushing in on our space and we needed to have this conversation. They were being kids. But the struggle there for myself was that 
it was already chaos. There was all this stuff going on, and I just needed a minute of, of, of structure with my wife, a little, a little adult conversation, and my kids weren't listening when I asked them nicely for space. But instead of just taking a second and guiding them through that process and actually teaching them, I went for the quick fix, right? I know how to get their attention and just yell out at them. And it is a temporary fix. But this is one of the struggles that I deal with daily, one of the trials, one of the testings that come on a daily basis. And that's what we want to talk about today. This is a regular scene in my house, and there's other frustrations that come with life that burden us every day, right? And the thing is, is it's those little trials that we ignore, those little tests that we ignore that lead us to the very sin that we're trying to avoid. Especially as Christians, we're all looking not to do the big sin, right? Not to fall into anger, where we're imposing our will on somebody aggressively, yelling or lashing out. You know, we're trying to avoid lustful temptations, right? We see a a beautiful person walking by, and then we say, wow, they're gorgeous, right? But understand that the physical attraction is not a sin. God created us to be able to experience sex and marriage, right? The first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve was be fruitful and multiply. So noticing somebody being attracted to them is not the sin. It's what you do with that thought, the intention behind that thought and where you go from there. But the point is, is that, you know, that's a sin we watch out for. There's pride. Our egos get in the way. We put ourselves on a pedestal. We judge ourselves against other people saying, well, yeah, I'm doing this, but it's not as bad as that person. Or we also blame other people for the issues around us. Some of us, our our world is always falling apart. There's always a frustration. There's always a struggle. And all we do is say, it's not me, it's this person. This person caused it or this situation caused it. Can't be me. I'm doing everything right. There's retaliation where you're seeking your own justice instead of thy will be done. Or canceling somebody out. Dismissing a person entirely. How many of you have had some kind of offense or some kind of pain that was so great that you were just like, I'm done with this person. I can't anymore. There's no forgiveness. I'm just walking away. I can't. There's greed. Where you put possessions and money over people. And money is just a possession. It's just a thing of this world. The only reason why it has value is because this world gave it to us. It's said that this is valuable. But it's not God's currency. And yet we can often find ourselves hoarding our wealth, hoarding our possessions, and not using them for good for other people, to love on other people or otherwise. There's anxiety and fear. Some people are so worried about what could happen that they're holding out on joy, that it's taking the joy from their life. They won't experience that new thing. They won't step out. They won't... They won't go and do anything because they're so afraid that's robbing them of their joy. Or they're becoming bitter because of their inaction. And they're bitter at other people for not understanding their sympathy or not understanding their issue, not being sympathetic to them. And there's judgment. This also goes along with pride, judging yourself against others. But what about gossip and false witness? Where you've received that juicy bit of information And that person may have given it to you in confidence, right? And yet we have a tendency as people to want to share that with others, even if it's with good intent. 
well, I'm just going to let my friend know so she can help me pray for this person, right? So I'm going to let them in on that. But the problem with that is, is that every time you share information like that, the person who's receiving it automatically has a judgment. That's how we process information, right? You receive it, you make a determination, and then from there there's a judgment. It's part of it. See, we all have these sins in our life. And as I said before, it's not necessarily the sin that we have to watch out for. It's the trial, the struggle, the temptations that lead to that sin. And we're all guilty of it. We all have these reoccurring struggles. Things that we dismiss. Things that we push off to the side. You know, this, this anger thing that I've had, this lashing out, is nothing new. It's not, it didn't come with my children. It's something I've been struggling with my whole life. And that's the thing. These struggles that we deal with, they're a part of us. They're learned behavior based on a situation or, or learning from a family member or, for, or from something from the world. Maybe it's a defense mechanism you automatically put up because you were broken by something in this world and you don't want to experience that pain again. So when this trigger happens, you're automatically putting up that wall or doing something. You don't intend to hurt somebody else or cause an issue, but sometimes that consequence happens. Sometimes it's a desire within ourselves. But they're all things we refuse to work on. Because either they're too familiar and, and we've got this, we can handle this, or we'll get to it later, right? But if it's reoccurring, even if there's a gap, if it's reoccurring, it's an issue. Think about what sin does. You sin, right? Here's God standing here, okay? Every time you sin, you're here. And you can ask for forgiveness or you can get to it later. And if you, if you put it off and get to it later, you're still standing in that sin, and you sin again. And you just went further. And even if you're still here and you ask for forgiveness, you only go back to the same spot. You're not growing. You're not getting closer with God. You just want the situation to be gone. But I want to let you know that there will always be temptations. There will always be trials and struggles. Why is that? Because in James 1.14, it says that we are lured and enticed by our own desires. It's a part of you. Like I said before, it could be a defense mechanism you put up automatically. It could be a learned behavior. It could be something that you wanted to do. And in your former life, you used to do it and didn't think anything of it. But it's a part of you. It's not some outside force that's attacking you. It's, it's within you. It's part of you. And not all of your desires are wrong. And that while you put up to protect yourself automatically, it's not necessarily wrong. But all of these things can be used against you at any time. can be used in the wrong situation. can be used at the wrong moment or with the wrong person. And then you're actually hurting that person or that relationship. And the funny thing is, too, is that when, when you accept God into your life, and you accept Him as your Father, and you accept the son or daughtership that he has called you to, when you put your faith in him and when you ask him to lead you and deliver you and trust him as Lord and Savior, it only gets worse. Because before that, the devil didn't care about you. Why? Because you were already in his camp. Because you were giving in to your temptations and you were giving in to your impulses all the time and falling into sin because you didn't know the consequences. You didn't know it was sin. But as soon as you accept that, He's like a mafia boss. He puts a hit out on you. 
He writes a contract with your name on it, and he sends people to keep tempting you and keep pushing those desires and those buttons. Not to kill you directly, because he doesn't get anything from martyrdom. But to, but to push you to the point where you sin and kill yourself. You see, our trials are opportunities for life. It's an opportunity. This struggle is an opportunity. Our temptations are opportunities to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. You have just as much choice in that situation to do either thing. And God uses those moments to develop us. That's why this struggle keeps reoccurring, right? This verse says, lead us not into temptation. But wait a minute. Does that mean God leads us into temptation? Why would he do that? Why would he lead us to the thing that we're struggling with so that we could fall? But God doesn't tempt us, and you're right. God does not tempt us. 1 James 13 says that God cannot be tempted with evil, and therefore he tempts no one. But sometimes he leads us into these situations because he uses them to grow us so that we could grow closer. And if you want proof, how did Jesus get into the wilderness to be tested? Matthew 4.1 says that the Lord led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He led them there. He led him there. And he didn't just lead him there to be initially tested. He led him there, and then he, he wasn't able to eat for 40 days and 40 nights. He was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So he was going through this struggle of not eating. And I don't know how many of you have tried to do a multiple-day fast, but it's not easy. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, there's temptations all around with food and food on TV and smells and all these things. And so it's a trial. It's a struggle. Luckily, he was in the desert. I'll say that. Luckily, he was in the desert. But that's when the devil came at his weakest point, when he had been attacked and attacked by hunger, by his own thoughts. And that's when the devil came and decided to tempt him into disowning himself as a son of God. But Jesus saw it as an opportunity to invite God in, to allow God to lead and to deliver us. And you have to remember that fruit ripens slowly. It matures slowly. And God wants you in those situations so you'll grow. He could just fix it. He could just take it away. But the next time that struggle comes, you're going to fall into it again, right? Because you didn't learn how to fight it yourself. And what he wants you to do is overcome that so you can get to the next thing, so you can grow closer to him and get to the next thing to grow closer to him and the next thing to grow closer to him so that your relationship is secure with him, that you're becoming more and more like him. And when you have stood the test, James 1.12 says, For when you have stood the test, you will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Every time you choose in that moment God over your temptation, you're showing your obedience to him. You're showing your love to him. You're getting closer to him. And he's able to give you the crown of life. You see, there are opportunities You can't be called faithful if you haven't had the opportunity to be unfaithful. You can't call yourself good if you've never had the opportunity to do wrong. 
And you can't claim to love God if you've never had the opportunity to receive him. And our tests, our struggles, our trials should keep us dependent on God. That's what this book is all about, right? He will never leave you or forsake you. He will walk with you. He will be with you in the storm. It should keep us dependent on God. But the issue is, is recognizing that that trial is an opportunity because if you don't, you're going to work on it in your own power. I can handle this. The world conditions us to that, right? I can handle this. I can do this. I can do that. But we need to be dependent on God because he provides a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, as Shelley prayed about today, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. He's with you in that storm. That's what we're saying here. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us if we fall, if we start to fall. He's there. He's not going to give you more than you can bear. And he's going to provide a way out. But we have to step into that space with him. I want to bring you to the Garden of Gethsemane real quick. Okay, this is after the Lord's Supper. This is after he told Peter that you will betray me three times. Judas has already run into the priests so they can come arrest him and crucify him. And he takes their 11 remaining disciples and he gets into the garden and he says, you wait here and rest. And he grabs his boys, right? He grabs the three rider dies, Peter, James, and John. Peter the rock, James and John are the sons of thunder. And he grabs them and he says, come with me and pray and watch with me. And he begins to be sorrowful. He begins to show them his fear. He's sweating drops of blood. That's fear. I've never done that. I don't know what it takes to do that, but you must be very afraid to sweat drops of blood. And he's explaining this to his, to his closest friends. The agony he's in, the anguish he's in about what's to come, and he knows what's to come, and he's probably telling them, I told you this is happening, and it's happening, and I don't, I'm afraid. So he asked them to pray with him, to support him in this moment. And he walks a little ways away, and he falls to his knees, and he puts his face down, and he says, Father, if it is all possible, take this cup from me, but not my will be done, but yours. And then he gets up, and he goes back to his crew, and they're asleep. They couldn't even pray with him. He wakes him up, and he says, could you not pray with me one hour? Pray so you will not fall into temptation. And he goes back over, and he falls to his knees, and he prays again. The same prayer. And he gets up, and they're asleep again. And he wakes him up, and he comes back over, and he prays for the final and third time. He says, Father, if there's any way for this cup to be taken from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And the cool thing is, is in Luke 22, it said an angel from heaven came down and began to strengthen him. And he gets up and he goes and they're still asleep. And he wakes him up and he says, arise, my time is at hand, my betrayer is coming. The reason why I took you there is because Jesus is showing in action what we're supposed to do in our battles. 
So the thing about this verse today, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil, is it's not just nice words that we say and hope God shows up. We have to invite him in. We have to be dependent on him because he is dependable. He is able to deliver us from the storms. And if you notice, even though Jesus had told Peter that he was going to betray him and he knew his disciples were going to flee, he still called his, his closest friends, right, his ride-or-die crew, to come and support him. And they kept falling asleep. And it's important to understand, even Jesus' disciples, who knew he was the Son of God, who knew he was the Messiah, couldn't stand with him. It's important to know that because in our own struggles, when we gather our friends, our friends can't always help us. We want them to, but they may not be able to. They're going to be tempted to do something else. They may not be able to help, or they may not even understand your problems or your fears or whatever is going on, your struggle. And that's okay. It doesn't mean they're less of a friend, but it means you need something greater especially in this struggle that's keeping you from God, what's the answer? God. God wants to meet you there. And Jesus invites God in and he says, he's like, God, I'm so afraid right now. And he's the, he is the son of God. He is God himself. He could have stopped this at any point, but he also recognized that he needed to let his will be done. And when the, the angel from heaven came down to strengthen him, I can only imagine how he strengthened him. Maybe he, he revealed to him the glory that awaited him once this trial was over. Maybe he explained to him, your friends, your close friends that are sleeping over there, those guys who know who you are, who love you, who, who are keeping your commandments, they are also potentially going to be separated from you in eternity. You have to go through with this, but I'm with you in this storm. See, God will be there. He says he'll be there. He will be there. And he didn't take him from the struggle, right? He didn't, he didn't lead him not into temptation, into this struggle. But he delivered what he needed to get through the struggle. That's the beauty of it. It's when we rely on him, he will give you what you need in that moment. People will fail you, but God never fails. He is faithful. And this all makes sense, right? Temptations come from within us. Okay, I can understand that. The struggle that we're in is an opportunity. I can get behind that, right? And we should rely on God. It all makes sense, right? But why don't we? A lot of us don't. We don't go to God. Either we forget to, because whatever reason you forget to, you're going to work on it yourself. How many times in your struggle have you said, I'm working on it, I, I'm going to fix this, it's going to be okay, because this world conditions us to do things on our own. But how many, how many of us are also afraid to share our junk with God? Because he is this holy, perfect God, and we're ashamed to bring our filth in front of him. Or how many of us are so afraid to trust something or someone else that we don't know how to ask God in because... We've been hurt so many times and it's only given us pain that it's hard to even trust the perfect father. So your largest opponent, our toughest opponent is ourselves. If temptations come from us, the decision in that temptation and struggle is our own. 
And we need to let God in to rely on him. But we get in our own way. We do it all the time, don't we? I know I do. I'm just now realizing that I need to work on this problem, this anger, impatience, or frustration, whatever it is, with him. I don't need to do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I've tried and it keeps coming back. I need to remove myself from that situation. Step aside and say, come on in, God. Because the ultimate goal is to get rid of that thing that's keeping me from him so that I can be closer to him and grow closer to him. To let him lead me and deliver me. I want to close with one piece of encouragement. And it's from Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sometimes we're in our own way because we don't believe people understand. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the hurt that has been caused to me, the hurt I've received. You don't know. But he knows. He was tempted in every way. And he had to, to be the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice to take the sins of the world. He's sympathetic to your cause. He knows the struggle you're going through and he knows what it takes to defeat it. So with that knowledge, we should come to him with confidence. Even if we're fearful, we should understand that he knows what we're going through and give it a shot. To come to him with confidence and receive the free grace and mercy that he has to offer and the help in our times of need. To let him lead us and deliver us. So we can overcome those struggles and be closer to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, God, provider, healer, our victory, our help in times of need, our fortress, our rock. You are all these things and more, Lord. You are all these things and more. Help us, Lord, to step away from ourselves and and to move ourselves out of the way when we are in these reoccurring struggles, these things that are keeping us from you, Lord, that we may grow closer to you, that we may let you do your perfect work in us, that we may be transformed and renewed. Let us not pick up what you have buried in your blood and fall back into those things, Lord, but let us move forward with you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we're going to do communion now. And as we do this, we're going to break the bread, we're going to give you a piece, and you're going to dip it into the cup. But as you come up, I want you to remember that scene in Gethsemane, when Jesus came and was very fearful, and the most difficult trial that he had ever faced, and how he reached out to God, and that it was only God who answered. And reflect on your own struggles and your own trials and testings. And understand that God will answer you. 
It may not be the answer you think you're supposed to receive, but that his will for your life is exactly what you need. All right? Okay. Scary here? Okay, could someone grab Gary? He's gonna, Gary's going to point to your row and, and tell you to come up when it's time, okay? All right. You want to help? I'm just going to wash my hands.